Hello, and welcome to Journey With Us, a podcast of Journey Baptist Church. Hello, and welcome to another episode of J2G Overview, where we go over the reading material for our Journey Together groups. Today, we will be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through verse 17, and we will be discussing the themes, backgrounds, and difficulties of this passage. To start, let's talk about the themes of this text. First, I noticed that John is wanting to make it very clear over and over again, almost every time he introduces a new topic, that this is why he is writing. Even in verse 3, this is how we know something. Uh, Verse 5, this is how we know. Verse 7, I am writing to you because of this. Verse 8, I am writing to you because of this. And then verse 12 through verse 14, I don't think I need to go through, is that's the bulk of reasons why John is writing. He gives actually six reasons and sort of a, a parallelism paragraph there of why he's writing. And so John wants to make it clear every time he introduces something that this is important. Listen up almost very pastorally, almost like when Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you. This is John's way of getting our attention. But what are these reasons he's writing? What are these themes? Well, first, I notice in the opening paragraph a theme of obedience versus disobedience. Again, like we saw last week in 1 John chapter 1, there was a dichotomy of being in the light and being in darkness being sinful or confessing our sins and being forgiven. And so we see that continues with obeying God's commands or not obeying God's commands. John wants to paint a picture of two opposing individuals who cannot be one in the same, those who are of God and those who are not of God. And the criteria for that is obedience to his commands. But continuing, this obedience is defined as to love one another. So again, this is a theme of the text and of 1 John as a whole, that there is a dichotomy between those who love one another, those who love the other believers of the church, and those who hate one another, those who are not of God, those who walk in darkness. And of course, that idea of loving or hating is directly tied to that idea of obeying or disobeying, which is directly tied to the idea of being in light or being in darkness. All of these fleshing out the categories of are you of God or are you not of God? John is writing to us to get our attention, to examine ourselves. Are we in Christ or are we not? These themes get more thoroughly defined in that last set of verses, verses 15 through 17, that to love God, to love His commandments and to obey him is to specifically not love this world, that the father in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possessions are opposed to the things of God. So those would be our themes. Again, just this dichotomy portrait of those who are in Christ and those who are not, those who love his commands and those who hate them. Let's get into the background of these themes, though. John is writing his epistle to drive home the application of his gospel. His gospel is the narrative story of Jesus's life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And his epistle gets into not only the theology of Jesus Christ, but the personal application amidst circumstances. So the background of this text is actually the gospel of John. The best way to understand some of these things is going back into John's previous writing. Let me give you an example. 
in verse 7 and 8, John wants to say that he is writing a new command, but it's an old command. It's not a new command, but it is a new command. That's kind of confusing language. But if we simply go back to John's gospel, chapter 13, we see that Jesus did a very similar thing. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 say this, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the background to John in his epistle saying, I give you a new command, but I give you an old command, comes from Jesus telling John in his earthly ministry, I give you a new command, love one another. But why does John say this is an old command? Well, because Jesus taught in his ministry and the Torah testifies that the greatest commandment is to love God and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So this new command to love one another is really an old command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And yet it is new. It is fresh because Jesus has displayed how we love one another. We lay down our lives for one another. He has given us the ultimate demonstration of loving your neighbor. Another example of how John's gospel gives us the background to John's epistle is the idea of light and darkness. John talks about these individuals who are walking in the light versus who are walking in darkness. And last week, actually, in John chapter 1, verse 5, John said, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Well, this is very similar to John's prologue in the gospel. John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, in him, that is Christ, was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That sounds very similar to 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. You might say, why is walking in the darkness as opposed to the light so bad? Well, in John chapter 3, Jesus explains to us that this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. He's talking of himself. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So as we're reading 1 John, as we see that those who are walking in darkness are opposed to God. Those who are walking in darkness are disobedient to his commands. Those who walk in darkness hate their brothers and sisters. It's because their deeds were evil. John chapter 3, verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. This would go back to loving the world even in verses 15 through 17, the lust of the flesh, the eyes of the pride of life. But verse 21, here's the dichotomy. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So all of these themes that we're seeing fleshed out in the epistle of 1 John find their background in the gospel of John, but really find their background in the teachings of Jesus. That's what's important for us to understand. This goes back to John having a very trustworthy testimony. He has seen this with his eyes. He has heard this with his ears. He has touched it with his hands. Finally, let's get into our difficulties for today. The first difficulty I want to hit on is the reasons for writing, specifically verses 12 through 14. It's not so much the reasons themselves that are difficult to understand so that you may know your sins are forgiven, so that you may know you have come to God. It's more so these three categories of individuals, children, young men, and fathers. But really, I don't think there is much difficulty. I think John is just describing people in different walks of the Christian life, just as we would. Look at the examples of children. Verse 12 
and verse 14. Little children, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Little children, you have come to know the Father. All that is is the gospel. Your sins have been forgiven and you have been reconciled to God. If you are a Christian, even if you are an immature Christian, new to the faith, a little child, you know that you are reconciled to God through the forgiveness of sins according to Jesus' name. So these children would just be newer believers, those immature in the faith. Let's look at our next example, young men. Young men come in the second half of verse 13 and the second half of verse 14. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong, God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. So twice, the young men are described as those who have conquered the evil one. Well, if you think about the idea of young men, this category of individuals carries some imagery. Think of your Old Testament. Who were those that geared up for battle? The young men. Who were those who conquered God's enemies? The young men. And now John is pointing us to the true enemy, the evil one, that is Satan. And he is reminding those young men that, look at the end of verse 14, because God's word remains in you, you have conquered the evil one. So it is not by their power, but rather by Christ in them, that they, young men, men ready for battle, have conquered the evil one. These would be individuals maturing in their faith. Think of individuals fighting sin. Think of those being sanctified. They are conquering. They are walking in the word of God. They are maturing and deepening in their faith. Finally, let's look at fathers. Fathers in verse 13 and the middle of verse 14 have the same line, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. How I understand this are to be those who are deep in a knowledge of God. They are the ones who are wise and have walked with the Lord for a long time and have a good understanding of his heart, that he desires mercy over sacrifice, that the greatest of these commandments is love. And again, think of our background, the gospel of John. John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life that they know God the Father and whom he has sent. And the exact description that John gives of fathers is that they have known the one who is from the beginning. The last thing I want to say about this before we get to our final difficulty is look at who John is writing to. He is not writing to children or young men or fathers. He is writing to all three. He is writing to the whole church. No matter what season of life you are in, John is saying he has something applicable to you. You are going to learn about the gospel. You are going to learn about the battle we are in for our souls. You are going to learn about the constant battle we are in against our flesh and the devil and this world. And you are going to grow in a steadfast love and knowledge of God. Our last difficulty today is one that is near to my heart, and that is the assurance of salvation. The reason this is a difficulty is because in verse 3 through 11, John wants us to know that if we keep his commands, we are in him. He says this explicitly in verse 3. This is how we know we are in him if we keep his commands. And again, in the second half of verse 5, this is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Now, the reason this is a difficulty is because John wants us to have assurance of salvation based on our fruit. That is right and true. If you are a Christian who says, I walk in the light and yet have fellowship with darkness, if you are a Christian who says, I have no sin and yet lies to yourself, if you are a Christian who says, I know God, but you hate your brother, you are a hypocrite. You are not in Christ. You are in the darkness. You are blind. 
And so again, remember, John is painting this dichotomy of those who are not Christians and those who are Christians. And those who are Christians should be marked by good fruit, by walking in the light, by being obedient to God, by loving your brother and sister. And there is assurance of your salvation through looking at your fruit. If you want to know if you are in Christ, if the thing you profess to be a Christian is actually what you are, look at the way you live your life. Do you live your life in such a way where people would know you are a Christian? Do you live your life in such a way where you can honestly say to yourself, yes, I strive to live by God's word and please him and love my brothers and sisters? If so, then John wants you to know that you are in the Father, that you are in the light. But I want to say one last thing about this difficulty, and that is if we continue to search ourselves, if we search the depths of ourselves, what we will find is a heart that is desperately wicked and sick beyond measure. We will find a heart that still rebels against God's command, that still loves darkness. We will find a heart that is still fleshly and wants pride and greed and lust. And when we are in those moments, we have to remember last week's lesson that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. 1 John 2, 1 says, my little children, look at that language again, I'm writing to you, my children, so that you may not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, We find our assurance for our salvation first and foremost by looking to Jesus, by looking to his finished work on the cross, by looking to John's gospel, where Jesus says, it is finished. And then once we've claimed that through faith, once we profess to be such, we examine our fruit. We see, are we walking in the light? And we have an honest conversation with God about where we are at. So having covered those themes, the background, and our difficulties today, that is our episode of J2G Overview. Thank you for joining us today in another episode of Journey With Us.